Hello, and welcome back to the Working Refugee Crisis Jordan podcast. I'm your host, Colin Campbell, and um, thank you for finding us again. It has been uh, over a month since we posted a podcast, and we apologize. Hey, I apologize for that if you have been following it. Um, my wife, Tara, and I took uh, home leave back in the States to see family with our baby, and um, lots of other things have, you know, delayed the process. But I'm very, very excited about this podcast. I think this is, uh, as far as it goes, this is my favorite one so far. They've all been amazing, but um, partially because this uh, is with Bethana Kamar, who is a livelihoods specialist. I hope I'm saying that her name correctly, um, with the UN Women. And Bethana is a Jordanian-Palestinian, grew up in Urbid here in Jordan, and has a great story about um, how, you know, going to school and her family life and how she got into development work and working for the UN, uh, UNFPA at first and other NGOs. Um, she actually then went to grad school in the States at um, Heller School at Brandeis and then met my wife there. So they're friends and that was the uh, initial connection here. Um, and actually, we have a little intro um, segment when we were rolling tape before we really started the interview that Tara and Bethana and me are talking. So you'll catch a little bit of that. They talk about uh, Heller and their grad school experience. Um, but the, this podcast is, you know, the goal obviously was to be about living and working in Jordan. But so far, it's been expats um, from America, from um, you know, different parts of the world so far. Um, what else we have? Britain. <laughs> Um, Japan, but this is really a different perspective from an actual Jordanian who's from here, who's working in the Syrian and refugee crisis, but also working with Jordanian women um, and men, and has a really neat perspective on the needs of the country and living here and the issues. And uh, we, so we have we have a re it's a really interesting interview, and because of that, it's actually it's actually pretty long. It's the longest one yet. It's about an hour and a half, a little over an hour and a half. But I encourage you to try to get through it. Um, or do it in segments um, because there's just a lot of great topics covered and we talk about um, about the issues facing women in Jordan you know that there there actually are more women than men even going to college but then vastly uh, less end up working in, in the workforce because of cultural issues um, family you know transportation, uh, childcare restrictions by the, the, the government sets up, things, all kinds of interesting things that really affect um, gender issues in Jordan and in this region in general. Um, and then we talk about her, her life and her different experiences that molded her and her different organizations and um, it's, it's really interesting and she has a great perspective and she's really smart and uh, she's funny and it was a great conversation so please enjoy our, uh, our fifth edition of the podcast with uh, Bethina Kamar of UN Women, a livelihood specialist. And if you have suggestions for other good interviewer interviews with, with local Jordanians or with other expats that are living here working in um, you know, jobs related to the crisis, uh, please contact us and let us know because we are always looking for great people to talk to um, and have good conversations with. So have a great day. Enjoy. Uh, the Working in Refugee Crisis, Jordan podcast.
who are you and who do you work for? <laughs> I'm your wife, mm-hmm. and I work for Mercy Corps. And how do you know Bethena? Bethena was my TA at Brandeis and when I was getting was my that? master's um, in international development. She, it was the planning and implementation yeah. class. Did TAs teach much? No, thankfully. No. So what did, what is a TA? What did a TA do? Taking the attendance. Oh. Really? But also providing uh, support for students that is not very clear. Yeah. They do a lot of really good support for international students because there's so many international students. Yeah. So you did have given classes together, but she TA one of your classes or I think maybe we took it to classes together. We took um Mari had that class that was um, um, psychosocial approaches to conflict, and I audited it, and I think you were in it. Yeah, that was a really good class. Mm-hmm. How did you choose Brandeis? I did not. Mm, okay. <laughs> I, I did not. I, I, you just uh, flew to America. Yeah, and, and I'm like, okay. Just threw a dart on a map, <laughs> one of those things. Boston it is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, winter boots. <laughs> I, I applied for uh, Open Society Foundation scholarship. And oh, what okay. they do is, they when you, if you are accepted, they match you with the university. Mm. So yeah. I just so, read the email like, congratulations, you got accepted to Heller School. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, right. I don't know what's Heller. <laughs> Did you have any so other I, options? Were you allowed to choose between so Florida or Boston? Also, and Oakland, oh, really? and yeah, lots of people. yeah. Wow. And, and then, the Open Society's people are the coolest. <laughs> and it's a scholarship, though, too. Like, mm-hmm. all fully paid for. Yeah. So that's why it's like, oh, you know, okay, well, send me so where you want. So what I did, to, like, to be honest, what the, I started, I was very happy. I started to look at the website. And then, after, like, one hour, I noticed that the logo has the Hebrew letters. <laughs> And then I'm like, wow, that's and interesting. And then I started to read like the, about the Jewish history, and I'm like, oh my god, why, <laughs> why from all the universities in the U.S. Why, why this is happening to me? So your your family did you, your, I know, your what family? Did you I, I what I I started to ask like, do do you know anyone who went to this school? Then I found out that okay, there are some people who went. So I. Uh, I met some of them, and everyone is like, "Do it, go for it. Mm. It's, it's the best experience you will ever had." But I, I had doubts, so I emailed Open Site Foundation. But kind of because I liked the program when I looked at it. Yeah. Right. Between like, but, uh, yeah. do you have any other option? Yeah. I would... Do you miss Brandeis? Do you miss being there? Mm. School. The Heller. You know, I really enjoyed the experience. I have a problem. I don't miss. Uh, I'm not very nostalgic. Nostalgic? Yeah. I missed it at first, but now I'm over it. (laughs) At first, the first year after school, I was like, I just want to go back to school. I miss school. I just love learning. I just want to be in school again. And now I'm like, "Mm, no. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Like, maybe I'll get my PhD. Yeah, Yeah, I think everyone goes through like, ah, PhD. It's like the honeymoon phase after grad school. Quick disclaimer here, this interview, as um, as for all of our interviews here on the podcast, um, Vithena represents her personal views and her personal story about her jobs and her current job with UN Women. She does not represent the official views or stances of the organization. So if you have, need more information on UN Women, visit their website. So 
Really? Like, yeah. First? Yeah, because I never. Ever. N- yeah. yeah. And though I traveled, I I didn't. I was not like only in the Jordan circle, but I, I realized huh. that it was my first interaction. Yeah. And, and uh, an, an American Jew. Yeah. Too, which is yeah. Well, you know, which is I don't know. There's all different things, but you know, obviously. America is very supportive of Israel historically. Yeah. That doesn't mean every person is. Yeah, exactly. There's wide views, and, and Brandeis is a pretty liberal school, exactly. so you probably have a whole variety. Exactly. But also, people that maybe are American have never, especially the undergrads, have never been to the Middle East, mm. and they, you know, they may not know what it's yeah. really like, and you know, they're supporting it because of their heritage, but they may not realize what the occupation is actually going yeah. on, you know, now. Exactly, so. and that's why I always say that I, my, the experience, of course, I had my master's degree, but I had also the experience of interacting with different people from different backgrounds, right. and uh, knowing that uh, our perceptions are uh, not uh, as uh, we grew up, and there is so right. many differences. Built-in biases, yeah. yeah. Family, so, family influence, family biases, ethnic. Yeah, and, uh, and especially yeah. also, I, I feel like there is a lot of media uh uh, influence to our biases. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my first visit to the campus, I I saw this uh, poster and I'm like, okay, <laughs> now I am in in Brandeis. I am really like, here now. Visit Israel, birthright. Right. And I was like, what is? Then I went to Google. But one of the good things is the availability of different platforms, and that's what I was talking about. My shock of uh, like the things I learned that okay, what's your opinion, Buthaina? What's your uh, point of view? Is that there was a students for justice in Palestine in Brandeis? Right, right. So, uh, like, it's uh, though it was a small group, but uh, we were able to oh, organize. So you were part of it? And, yeah. Cool. Uh, to organize, to uh, uh, do activities, of, to uh, to raise awareness, to get engaged with the different um, discussions. So that was a really uh, excellent learning experience uh, for me because mm. here it's easy to to right. give the answers that everyone knows. Whereas when I go to the US and you ask me a really question because you don't know, then I have to question all my perceptions and really think about um, right. st- like the ready statements that I uh, right, that we right. were raised. Uh, but is that, uh, is that if you can have a dialogue, and you can, especially on a college campus, which is supposed to be a place yeah. of questioning ideas, of learning, of um, challenging um, stereotypes or challenging, you know, mm. the history and things like that, then that can be a great place. I mean, I, I would think, I would hope there's a bunch of people who come there, Jewish family, Jewish background, that, like, get other perspectives on lots of, other, lots of things, mm. but on religious things, things in general and Arabs and all that, and learn and challenge themselves, which they may not do otherwise if they went to another school. They might not be challenged because it wouldn't come up the same way, you know? So my name is Buthayna Qamar. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in Irbit, in the north of uh, Jordan. Whoa, wait, so you're, you're from Jordan? You're no, actually my oh. mother is <laughs> from Jordan. My father is originally Palestinian. Palestine, right. Yeah. Okay, but, yeah. So but I you have the, both... Uh, I was making, I was getting yeah. there because you're my first uh, Jordanian interview. So yeah. the rest of the other ones have been expats working in development field. Yeah. But you're actually a Jordanian, Palestinian yeah. Yeah. from here, also working in it. You have a different perspective. Yeah. Very cool. All right. And uh, um, so I, I've been working in the field of development for the last uh, 10 years. Uh, but in the last uh, one year and a couple of months, uh, I've been working as the livelihood specialist with the UN Women. 
Okay. Um, and uh, it's uh, the United Nations Agency for Gender Equality and Women uh, Empowerment. Um, and uh, one of the things I do is to work with uh, Jordanian and Syrian women in uh, in Jordan, focusing on economic uh, uh, aspects. So that's the focus of my uh, work. Uh, my role uh, entails uh, project management, but uh, also more of advocacy and work on the policy uh, uh, level, which is good because I think it's unique to be in a position where you have uh, this outreach on the policy level where legislations are being made, but also manage uh, projects and interact with people uh, on the ground. So uh, I feel like this is a unique... Uh, yeah, you get to do the, kind of all different levels of yeah. it and have an impact. Yeah. And how big is the livelihoods team? Is this a livelihoods team or you're a specialist within a... In general, UN Women is a very small organization compared to UNHCR or like. <laughs> what does that mean to me? What is a small organization in the Le UN? What does that mean? It's, it's actually pretty small. <laughs> Less like than a thousand people. <laughs> no, UN Women is really small, like okay. around thirty uh, staff 30. members. Yeah. In Jordan. In Jordan. Working yeah, on course. the Syrian refugee crisis, but also with Jordanians so on, on all okay. aspects, like. And on all refugees and locals, yeah. okay. Yeah. But is there is UN Women also in Syria? Is there a, is, are they still there active? There is no, no UN Women in in Syria. So be, because, no, because UN it's Women is development yeah. versus human versus relief, right? Humanitarian. Yeah, in Jordan, exactly. What uh, one of our main mandate is to uh, is gender mainstreaming mm -hmm. and coordination with different UN agencies on their gender involvement and women uh, inclusion. Um, when it, when the humanitarian context, uh, because of the Syrian crisis came up, uh, UN Women started to work uh, with women, with Syrian women in this uh, um, area. So UN was already them. here working with Jordanians yeah, 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 in yeah, regular yeah. context yeah. and then and added then on the, the refugees yeah. and Syrian women. And Palestinian yeah. women as well? Like Palestinian refugee uh, women? Uh, yeah, like previously there was some work, uh, basically... Uh, with different, uh, like with Palestinian refugees, with Jordanians from rural uh, areas, like we had different uh, projects. What UN Women with uh, UNRWA probably as well. Uh, uh, like with the, definitely in the camps, there is the partnership with the UNRWA. We did not have much uh, of uh, an uh, an influence, and this is before I uh, came because UNRWA already have right. their. A structured programming when it comes to women uh, empowerment what we do work with them is the mainstreaming gender budgeting that's like kind of the support that we uh, provide i think the unique mm. thing for you and women experience in jordan is that uh, we started to work on the ground with people for example in the zatari camp we have three oases which is three safe spaces for women where they go uh, uh, and like learn a skill, work through the cash for work modality, um, get access for the workshops or uh, like uh, learn many women who don't know how to speak or to, to write. They have the literacy uh, classes. There is a childcare facility uh, place. There is, if you have protection issues, we have the referral system. So. It's a really nice women only. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I want to get space. back to some of those details more. I mean, that's mm. that sounds amazing. But those are, and but you, no, that's not all done by thirty 
employees of <laughs> UN Women. You have yeah. like local like CBOs, organizations yeah. you yeah. work with and on yeah. camps in different areas. In the camp, actually, it's uh, the UN Women uh, staff doing uh, well, work. Doing but the outside the, of the camp, we count uh, a lot on international uh, uh, NGOs, national NGOs, local CBOs. Uh, because we are a small organization, yeah. we count a lot on uh, partnership, but also we think and believe it's uh, part of the sustainability and uh, the local uh, adoption for uh, the idea, the project idea. Uh, so it's important to involve as much as we can from yeah. Uh, yeah. different stakeholders. Yeah, of course, always. I mean, mm. make it sustainable and, and empower, you know, localize as much as possible. From what, just what I know, just the basics. I don't, I don't work in industry or anything, but um, all right, cool. We'll we'll come back to that a little more because um, I want to get in some of those weeds because it's interesting the, the details of it. But let's let's rewind and start with you. Talk about yourself um, a little more. So, where are you from? You did mention that. Maybe we talk a little bit more about your upbringing. In urban um, and what attracted you in this type of work and how did you get into it? Okay, and then. You know, in this career as well, and how did that like? What was the trajectory there? Tamam. So. Tamam. Tamam. That me? Oh, I know that okay. one. Wait, oh, I'm the worst at Arabic. Um, it's like. Uh, I always think. I always think of uh, hamam. <laughs> Close. <laughs> right. Or, <laughs> but it's different. <laughs> that's, it's that's, totally different. That's bathroom. Yeah. Kind kind of bathroom, but actually, it's a funny word because it's also the. Tamam. It's like okay. Oh, tamam. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Okay. Tamam's like tamam is. Pretty close yes. after Yanni, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Yanni. it's one of those things people yes, throw in. Exactly. That even when they're speaking English, yeah. they'll throw in Tamam. Yeah. Okay. So it means okay. All right, cool. So Tamam. Uh, tamam. Uh, so um, in Erbil. Yeah. Okay, now I have to I you know, off, to rewind. You know? <laughs> <laughs> rewind. It's okay. Okay, I'm it's gonna right. start like after 18. Yeah. I, no, 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 I mean, I, I, no. You have to start with your. I, so you went to school in Arabic. You yeah, grew I up there. Yeah, I went to and grew up there. You went to public school. What, what I, school? I, I, school? No, like? actually, I went to Christian school, uh, Rosary uh, school. But the last two years, I went to public uh, school. Okay. It's called Arabic High um, High School. Arabic High School. Yeah, okay. for girls. And you are and you're a Christian then, or you just went to Christian school? How did yeah. That work? Uh, no, you don't have to. Uh, for the Rosary school. It's like everyone, Muslims go. and Christians. Oh, okay. uh, it was close to the uh, to the house, and my mother studied in that uh, school, so oh, yeah. there was like this family uh, thing, and it was in the neighborhood, so it was convenient. But also, uh, it was uh, well known with a good education in yeah. uh, in Erbil. And then, but then you switched. Uh, Why did you leave? Or did I, okay, so what happens is that like this Erbil High School. Uh, uh, usually it's only for the last two years in, in schooling and uh, they have all the top students from different schools in, in oh. Erbil. And you have to get in, like especially? Yeah, you have to, like, you have to really, they look at your records mm -hmm. and you might have an opportunity or not. So I got uh, the opportunity. So you're smart. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> let's boil it down to that now. Yeah, but yeah. actually, I think it, it was. Well, you worked a, hard. It was. Uh, I think it was not the best idea oh, really? to go to that school because I um then you you are surrounded with a like couple of like with classes with really smart people where it's there is a lot high level of competition. That's and good. Stress. For the most part, oh, really? I, I felt like. Stress? 
if I, uh, especially in the last two years of schooling, I could have avoided that if I stayed in my environment and chilled and like did my best in my own way. Because what I had, like what happened to me is I had the opposite reactions. Okay, I'm not going to study hard. خلص يعني. Because you always like think, ah. <laughs> Finished. Finished. خلص. Um, I I was not uh, uh, like in the top, but I. I you know, it's funny. I, I I do. I totally get it in some ways. I went to boarding school for three years uh, in high school, and it was super high academics, like Ivy League theater school, and um, I, I get it because yeah, like all these kids were getting straight A's and the captain of the football yeah. team. They're super smart and athletic. They're just going to Harvard. Yeah. And I'm like into music, doing my own thing. And yes, like I wanted to get by. I didn't want to get horrible grades, but I wasn't, you know, B's and C's. I was okay yeah. with, I mean, B's because it was a really hard school. And like sometimes you're almost not motivated if you're not going to be the top. And you just yeah. want to do your own thing because you don't want to just like and get in that competitive rat race. Yeah. And like everyone's so obsessed with being the best. And you're like, that's not me. Yeah. So I um, so yeah, I mean, I I can <laughs> go on and on about the the whole competition con- yeah. concept. How it's uh, sometimes can yeah, but that, that uh, is that's interesting. Even mm-hmm. even here in Jordan, in like a public high school. Yeah, and, yeah. And you took English classes all along, growing up. Yeah. And everything is that where you got a lot most of your English or yeah, yeah. At least the really good base. Uh, I was listening to Backstreet Boys <laughs> and writing the lyrics down. Yeah, that was, like, that's why you're like, I want it that way. <laughs> that's, that was 90, mid 90s or something. Because you're around my age, I think, right? Yeah. Mid 30s. Um, and uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so that inspired you to want to speak good English. So yeah, you yeah. could sing, you could do karaoke at some point <laughs> yeah, exactly. and do it, do it back to face justice. <laughs> But uh, definitely watching movies was uh, yeah. was helpful. But uh, my uh, undergrad yeah, so was, then, was in English. Oh, okay. Uh, so you so you finished at high school. Now, yeah. tell me, riddle me this. I always wonder because I'm learning about the Jordanian side. How common is it for women in Urbid or at this high school to go to university? Is that common or is it yeah. half and half? Or what? no, actually, uh, uh, in general, within Jordan. Uh, the statistics of women going to a university it's higher than uh, men uh, really yeah. now however unfortunately wow. this is not reflected on the in the labor market so you really huh. have high percentage of educated uh, women but they are not entering the labor market interesting yeah i, I have heard that something like that before because i mean i know it's a very well educated yeah. country especially in gen- general in the middle east yeah. i didn't know it was, so it's actually more women going to university yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, what they get married a lot of times get married and have kids, you know, pressures the, and culture. The, the complexity of of the issue of women not going to work it's a really complex uh, issue. It's not only one mm. factor or uh, another, but definitely social norms and social perceptions about women roles in uh, in Jordan is affecting. For example, one of the things is um, you. Uh, after school, your role is to find a husband, get married, and uh, raise the kids. And, and, like and everywhere, not, or especially outside everywhere. of Amman? Yeah. Yani, and even in Amman, uh, because uh, at the end of the day, Amman is not very homogeneous uh, mm-hmm. place. Like there is the division of the illusional division. Right. I would like to call it the West and the East Amman. But even in West Amman, you will find people. 
Uh, and today, actually, I was uh, sitting next to the head of uh, Jordanian National uh, Commission for Women. Okay. And like she is the most fe- one of the most feminist people in Jordan. <laughs> and what she said that oh yeah my and like she comes from a really high class in in Amman. Yeah. And what she said oh yeah my brother he says that he don't want to his wife to work. He says, why? I, I, I can't provide. Why she needs to work? So it's a it's cultural issue and it's not affiliated with... And she said this about her, her brother, brother didn't want his wife to work. Yeah. And then she was frustrated about it. Yeah. And what can she... She couldn't, like, talk to him and help change Definitely, his mind? Like, the, the, the discussions are uh, ongoing. But uh, for me, I feel it's... Um, to, to encourage women to go to work, you, we need to look at different angles. One of them is uh, the legal uh, aspect. The legal aspect, in general, the law is uh, not disc- very discriminatory between men and women. However, uh, the implementation of the law is not uh, very eff- effective. How? For, the, for example, the law forces any private organization if they have more than 20 women who have children to open a childcare facility. Hmm. What companies do is they hire 19 instead of 20 so they don't open the childcare facility, which is an essential thing for people to go and, uh, uh, for women especially, to uh, work and ensure that their children are being taken care of. What now is being huh, lobbied is to include men and women because the, the assumption of the law is that w- men don't take care of their children or they don't need the child care facility, for example. Right. The lobbying is to, inc- to change the law to include men and women, 20 men and women instead of 20 So if you have 20 women, employees or you yeah, can say 40 employees. Exactly. You have 40 the, employees or whatever uh, no, it is. The push is to, to keep the 20. Oh, so, okay. yani, you have a higher chance of uh, having the yeah. the childcare facility. This is an example. That's interesting. That's really interesting. That is that a, a common law? I mean, I don't even know what that law is like in the states. I don't think we have anything like that in the West with avoid, with requiring a company to have, have their own healthcare mm-hmm. that's provided for free. Mm-hmm. I mean, not healthcare, childcare is provided for free. I, th- I think at or, least in Europe there is the. Uh, t- like child care service is provided just uh, right. as a- any social service for... Uh, yeah, I shouldn't really be comparing to America. I'm not sure. In the <laughs> but it is time. interesting because we... That's just fascinating because we talk... I mean, there's like a lot of different levels here. But, you know, America, obviously, gender is a huge issue. And there's huge women's activism, women's rights. But this is something that I've actually... I don't know a lot about. But, um, you know, you know... Jordan may be way ahead of the U.S. in that respect, but if, if it's also if it's causing currently if it's causing companies to cap the women at nineteen because yeah. they're basically kind of a loophole or mm-hmm. they're, they're skirting the system, it's it's similar with like you know oh if you pay if you hire someone for forty hours a week you have to provide health care. Well, mm-hmm. what are companies going to do? Hire them all for thirty five a week, yeah. thirty five hours a week. I mean, I it's one of the things that drives me crazy about like capitalist driven companies. Yeah anywhere or economies where they'll do whatever they can to skirt it but when it comes to affecting women working in childcare, um, yeah that's a major problem but the the flip side would be so is that where are there so you see that with a lot of companies that just don't hire enough women and then there's not is there not pressure 
to higher even yeah. amounts. Uh, uh, even excluding this, uh, the childcare facility issue Other in reasons general, too, paternalistic. The, yeah, exactly. The, the perception that I'm not gonna hire a woman, especially like she will give birth and mm-hmm. like now I will lose a couple more kids, time. right? So the the exclusion of women is already uh, one of the perceptions why. The preference is to employ men. Even with men going to leadership positions, for example, uh, maybe yeah, I am. I have a company. I have three employees, one male and two females, in the same position. I will give more tasks and more uh, assignments for the man because he, especially to go out, if mm-hmm. there, there is a need to go out, go in the field, which will give the impression that the man is doing more tasks so he will get more chance to get promoted where it's more convenient for women to stay in the uh, office yeah or to stay and do like uh, though uh, we did not ask the women what is their choice do they want to take these tasks so but it's a cultural Mm. uh, issue like and that's just so hard to change those things they're so ingrained in a lot of ways yeah i i think any one of the most because the challenges that faces women entering the labor market, some of them are very like clear. Childcare, uh, uh, like one of the, them, provide childcare facilities or provide or provide uh, money or money, stipend yeah. or pay them yeah. enough that they can afford yeah. some some childcare exactly. in a local center, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> another thing is like transportation, especially for uh, people outside of Oman. Uh, for example, for me in Erbil. Yeah. I, I graduated in in a university in Erbil. I did not have even to think about looking for a job in Erbil because they do not exist, especially at that time. Now it's a little bit better. Huh. Uh, so I, I uh, directly started to look for jobs in, in Amman. Uh, going back and forth uh, every day from Erbil to Amman, it's hectic. It's like basically me having no social life. It's basically me spending money, a lot of money on transportation. It's not reliable. I might be late, etc. So I, I was privileged that my family accepted that I will uh, uh, live by my own in uh, Oman. in Amman. Yeah. But this is not the case of many of uh, girls in mm. uh, in Jordan. So tra- not having public transportation, public, right. public uh, reliable transportation. Or, or safe for women. Exactly. Yeah. That's another angle that... There is this fear of harassment, especially from men in the families, more than women. We did this, young women did this assessment. 65% of men think that transportation is not safe compared to like 42 uh, uh, of women. So men ha- who, who have the influence. Right. If I'm a brother, I will say, okay, no, my sister is not going to go to work. So they are influential uh, on the decisions. It's not like I want, if, if a brother or a father said no, then this can be taken into consideration as a family decision. Right. Uh, so all of these things, for example, I'm saying that some challenges, like the, the, the solution is clear. It's not easy, but it's clear. But the social constraints, those are the, always like, I wonder how uh, we can work uh, on them uh, to solve them out. Hmm. Be- are we going to do a campaign and encourage so women? So does you and women, this is really interesting, I'm learning a lot of things here, um, with these general societal issues, <clears throat> with say, you know, companies like major companies that are large companies, you know, a phone company or a, 
or whatever oil company or things like or something like that. You know, we're not talking um, when they have these issues. Like, is UN Women also working with major companies in Jordan to promote getting women working yeah. and the culture? You know, more than just rural or underprivileged yeah, women. Yeah, yeah. Like, are you also? Yeah. Because I don't know how active UN Women is. Yeah. Or, you know, in the middle or up, even upper class in some ways. As we well. we do actually. We have uh, this thing that called gender seal. Gender well, seal. Yeah, which okay. is. Kind um, of like a certification. Yeah, yeah. The or, companies can get get yeah. it from UN yeah, Women for exactly. taking steps. For taking a couple of steps to encourage women uh, engagement and uh, in their uh, companies, mm. uh, it included uh, many uh, five stars hotels, for example, in Amman, oh, yeah. IT companies, uh, and uh, what they do is not only the percentage of the women involved, but also to what extent uh, there is uh, incentives or like uh, an enabling environment for women growth yeah being able to grow in a company move up the chain uh, and uh, it's amazing because like companies like certifications so they were like okay gonna do this something they can Um, put on the wall yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) what uh what percentage of so you said more women go to college than men, going back to that original point. And I do want to get back to your college experience. <laughs> um, so is it close, like 55 to 45 or something? For, uh, the, yeah, for in, in university, I think it's like 52 for women, Okay. Uh, 48 for... Uh, Which is similar, actually. In the yeah. States, it's about the same now. Okay. Um, but now, what percentage of... In the, in the, in the Well, you probably have to say that older men I mean things are changing a lot but it's like say of young people like maybe 20s and 30s mm. or something what percentage is men I, versus women I'm just interested I'm, I don't do you know this I don't have the specific age uh, age uh, oh, bracket yeah but, but generally but in general uh, 65 I think 65 men 35 men, women 14 percent of women are in the labor market. Fourteen percent of women are. Oh, oh, that's what you're saying. Forty percent of women are working. Uh, women in Jordan and sixty-five yes. percent of men. However, <laughs> uh, some argues that the number is higher because uh, this is the formal employment. Right. What's reported? And in the informal, the the, yani many women maybe have their own home businesses. Cleaning or yeah. different things, cooking yeah. or things are and more they, cash. They, they're not in. Huh. But uh, even though are there a lot of young Jordanian women that can't get jobs that are or 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 is it more that they give up trying or they're not allowed to like is is uh, the percentage of unemployment in general for the Jordanian youth it is uh, very high. Yeah. for both men men and women women in general they give up looking for jobs after two to three years of looking for jobs and two to three them. years yeah. they're looking for two or three years and they yeah. can't get anything yeah. even the with the grad with the with the undergrad yeah, degree yeah 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 definitely Ugh, uh, the hardest uh, phase for jordanian men and women is the entry level positions mm. everyone wants experience that's why you will find a lot of internships programming or projects uh, like projects that encourage uh, young people to ha- build their uh, work experience before going to the uh, labor market. Uh, yeah, that's important. Yeah. <laughs> Man, interesting. Um, so you, yeah. So where did you go to university then? I went to Jordan University for Science and Technology. Okay, I've heard of it. I. What is that? What are the letters for that? J U S. Just? You, yeah. J- oh, really? Yeah. You just want you just went to just? Just. I went to just. 
<laughs> and it's all in English, all the uh, classes, or yeah. because your program? Uh, most of the uh, fields of study in the university are uh, very scientific. It's either mm. medical, engineering. Um, so uh, all of the classes for everyone was were in English. Mm. Uh, I did physical therapy. Oh, okay. And I did not work in it. Huh, so yeah. don't ask for any recommendations <laughs> or any <laughs> consultations because I have no clue. It's been uh, a few years. Yeah, it's been. Wait, where is that university? I've it's in Erbet. Oh, it is. It's yeah. in Erbet. Is it on the it's Highway a, 35 yeah. or something? Yeah. Or it's, I think I've driven by on the way to Jerash. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Cool. So not too far from home. Uh, but okay, so you did physical therapy for four years. Yeah. And then how did you, then what happened? And then I graduated and I did like this one month internship in a hospital to like test myself. Do I want to do this or not? Though I knew that I don't want to do it and I hated it. I did not like the work in the hospital. So I was literally looking for any job that does not include hospitals. Why did you hate hospitals so much? Because, like most of the physical therapy, uh, I why I don't know. It, just, it wasn't your vibe. No, it wasn't. Okay. No, 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 no. And, <laughs> Too many sick people. Yeah. And, blood and I was getting so emotional. Oh. I will go and I will start crying. Oh. Uh, I, I was a really bad. <laughs> yeah. Candidate for. <laughs> Too emotionally attached yeah. to. Uh, uh, so basically what I did is I did an internship with uh, a local NGO and one thing led to another. I started to work uh, um, with different NGOs. Because I had the medical background as a physical therapist, I started to explore options in public uh, health. Okay. And uh, that's why uh, I, like m one of my highlights, let's say, in my work is starting the uh, YPEER network in Jordan, Youth Peer Education Network. Why? YPEER. Uh, YPEER? Yeah. Okay. Youth Peer Education Network. Okay, cool. And uh, what they do is like uh, to raise awareness in sexual reproductive health and rights. Okay. And they are part of uh, uh, a global uh, network in 50 countries uh, in the world. How did you start that? Um, so I took a training as part of the network in Tunisia. And uh, one cool. of the rules for people who attend the training is to go back to their countries and start to establish the networks. Uh, however, I did not do that immediately. I got a fellowship with UNFPA. Okay. Um, and part of my fellowship was to establish the network. So I was supported professionally, let's right. say. Right, yeah. Uh, it's connected. Uh, to do but it. this was still your like first year out of undergrad? No. Or, or I, pa I, I passed a couple of years. Couple of years, couple of years. Yeah. But then, but you were interning at this point in public health, or I mean, you were then working in public health for yeah. different local so, NGOs and urban stuff. What still? what I did? No, I after I, uh, the internship was in Erbet, then I got a job with Care International, oh. working with Iraqi refugees okay. in uh, in Amman. So in that's Amman. where when I moved to Amman on your own. Yeah, as a woman, young yeah. woman <laughs> in your early twenties, moving to Amman, and yes. what and what year was that? I think I, 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 I never really th thought about it. Well, I'm more interested yeah. in like what Oman has got to be a lot different now. Yeah. I mean, that's what everyone says yeah. the last it 10 years. It was cheap, let's say. Oh, gee, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and there was like limited places to hang out. Uh, yeah. Um, but but it was so much fun and we, there was a lot, many uh, things to do compared to Irbid, of course. Yeah. Um, and, you're, and, and expats as well. 
down here at Care and the, stuff. Too, yeah, or? there was not as much expats as it is now. Yeah, I, now it is yeah, like it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. too many damn Americans <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yes, I'm one of them, but still. <laughs> no, I I think uh, yani, um, like internationals, you would find them in like uh, really like senior positions maybe but like now you feel like yeah. there is a lot of people who are coming to learn the language yeah, or yeah. to true, a lot of language internships yeah, yeah so a, lot, a lot of students just yeah. coming for a semester yeah, yeah. or people that want to live in the region yeah. and all different types yeah, yeah. yeah it's you do need a whole variety yeah. for sure yeah so yeah um uh, but one of the things is uh, many of my uh, schoolmates uh, women who just did the same two or three, rent an apartment and live in Naman. So at least in my circles, this um, was accepted. It okay. was not a challenge or I had to convince my family. You so know, they were supportive like, of you and they yeah. knew you had other friends yeah. here for a support system. And yeah. it's an hour away. Yeah. I mean, it's still a pain, yeah. but it's not you know, like not yeah. going to a different country or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. And, uh, and then how do you like working in care? It was an interesting experience because it was my first real exposure to the world of development and humanitarian uh, work. You know, I I would say I I learned uh, uh, a lot, but at the same time, it was painful for me because I was dealing with refugees. So these are these Iraqi refugees that were pretty fret had just come recently from Iraq during the Iraq War. Yeah. That we uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah instigated lots of it, most of it. Um, so, okay, like, my work was in 2008. Okay, yeah, so before Syria, yeah. that was my, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, one of the things that uh, really uh, stuck with me is that I had to teach myself. I had to really look and read for things, but I, I was not trained professionally on... Though I did not do counseling, for example, for refugees, uh, but the fact that you deal with people who are fragile, who need special way of uh, uh, handling situations and providing services, I felt I lacked that. And unfortunately, in the humanitarian context, sometimes because you need to do things very fast, you get people uh, and you don't have time to provide enough uh, training. Right. Uh, so it was uh, a good learning experience for me, but I always reflected on on this, especially that sometimes organizations hire people who provide so psychosocial support or counseling and who are not professionally trained on this. Mm -hmm. And this is really dangerous because mm -hmm. uh, if you don't provide such services like you, uh, in professional manner, you might do more harm than good. Yeah. So you uh, you would come with the really all the good intentions. But you don't, you're not aware of the impact of certain action or a certain word that if you were not properly trained. Yeah, I can imagine that would be be a huge issue. Yeah. People that want to help, but yeah, <laughs> it's, exactly. it's um, very, it's a lot deeper than yeah, that. You know, exactly. It's a lot of, people, a lot yeah, of trauma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Tara I've learned from Tara about the psychosocial, you know, um, trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, so you were with CARE for, for how long? For, uh, like around one year, then I moved back to Irbid because I, I at that time I was like, I miss Irbid, I miss <laughs> the food. And you miss the food? <laughs> yeah. In Irbid. You're in Amman. And you're yeah, I know. I mean, you can get Mansif anywhere. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, that's such a stereotype. Uh, but. Then, then I started to work with Right to Play. Right to Play. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They do like, 
uh, development through sports and play. And yeah, I've heard about to play. So, uh, but that was like for around four or five months. Mm. Uh, after I finished, I took the training for the YP, but also started the fellowship uh, with the NFPA. I went to New York mm. for the, in the uh, at headquarter of the NFPA. Well, is that your first time in the States? Yeah. Right. Actually, no, the, the second, because I went for a coach exchange in California. What? And I, California, a yeah. coach exchange. Ah, so I am not a coach. A coach exchange yeah. with which which right to play? Or? Yeah, exactly. Huh. And uh, uh, with right to play, um, because I was, you know, all of them were real life coaches, but me because <laughs> I coach on right to play games. Right. I but got, you had not played much sports at that point. I any mean, in school I did basketball, but yeah, I mean, in right to play they do like these games of sports, so they have their own rules and yeah, it's not like real. Real sports, but like you move. <laughs> but they're moving, yeah. It's yeah. Act, being active. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so you went and, to California. And I never, okay, this is like uh, the stereotype of America. Because, you know, we always like either see movies where it's New York or... Uh, or LA or... Yeah, wherever, exactly. But, yeah. And uh, you don't, because of the news of the Amer- America, you never really uh, think about America as a beautiful country. Oh. So when I went there, I fell in love. I'm like, oh my Where God. were you in California? In, um, so we like, we stayed in like Los Angeles. It was, yeah. But we were going. Uh, you, what town do you remember? No. Right, right around LA, Pasadena, or inland. Or? So what what they did? What we did is like we were going out. Yeah. Every day for a different Out, uh, outdoor activities. Yeah. Do you ever yeah, get yeah, up to yeah. Yosemite or the, the coast? Or the, Beach. Yeah, 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 yeah. I lived, you know, I lived in LA for five well, years, yeah. five and a half. Yeah, yeah and so. it's the best weather in in the. Whole it's pretty amazing. I mean, yeah, because yeah. you could surf in the morning and go snowboarding yeah. in the afternoon, and then I mean, yeah, it's the West Coast. I mean, all over America, there's great yeah. parks, and that's yeah. something that's like it is interesting. You never really thought of because no. movies. It's true, most movies yeah. are city or yeah. or like urban or suburban yeah. and focused. Yeah. Focused on the people, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like incredible national parks, yeah. especially the west of the country. It's huge national yeah. parks, yeah. and that's cool. So that was a pretty eye-opening experience going yeah, to LA. Yeah. I mean, that's a yeah expensive city. And that's city. why I was yeah. motivated to apply for the fellowship with the NPA because it was like six months in New York. Oh, cool. oh, so you lived in New York for six months? Yeah. Oh wow, with the NPA. Yeah. Okay. And uh, your mid twenties at this point. Or something. Yeah, yeah so, I was twenty four, twenty five. So what was so what was that like then in the, in, I, the, in New York? I I love New York. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like I, <laughs> even when I did my master's. Everybody in, says in that. In Boston, I was like, whenever I have the opportunity to go to New York, I would I would do that. Yeah. Um, it's uh, what's unique about and this is something that personally I I faced because here. Yeah, because it's a small country, but also everybody knows everybody in one way or another. Even if I don't know you, I will ask you, where do you hang out? Who's your relatives? Your and family, we will find that name, yeah, yeah. yeah, your city. And there is always... But in New York, I had to redefine myself based on, like, no one... No one right, has you're anonymous. Yeah. yeah, you're anonymous, which is and, good and bad, like, yeah. because it can be, you know... But uh, for me, it was a really good learning experience about myself um, and the fact that I did a lot of things by my own 
Hmm. And it was okay. Is that I, your first time doing a lot of that? Yeah, yes, because to... even when I lived in Amman by myself, I was surrounded with friends. There is like the right. family. But like it was the really the first time I lived by myself in a country that I don't know anything. Yeah, about. right. Uh, that must have been yeah. intense. And New York's also just, just I mean, super intense. There's yeah. so much energy always yeah. going, expensive, loud, like... Yeah. You can't avoid it, you know, it's so, if you're, you're in Manhattan, just like, right yeah. in the city, and it's just, yeah. uh, I mean, I love it too, but there's reasons why I like living in Boston more, <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, um, <laughs> interesting, so that was, so that, that was a job, or that was in, a special program for six months, yeah. what were you working on with them? I was, uh, like, part of my work was the youth peer education network, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, on the regional uh, level. So that's why it was okay, really good for me to get the regional experience to study cases from countries where the network is uh, functioning. And when I came back to Jordan, I the fellowship is basically six months in the HQ and six months in the in the country office. Hmm. So I came back to the country office, and part of my work started to to start the network. Uh, but then. Uh, 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 they extended my contract for another one year, so I spent like around two years with uh, oh. with UNFPA. Cool. And uh, now, had you when you got in with care when you development? I mean, when you growing up, did you think you were like? Did you think about development work at all as a as an I, industry yeah. here? Because it is like an industry yeah. here in some ways. Yeah. I mean, in America it is too, but it's yeah. relatively much smaller. Um, I I and, thought that like I would work with the UN. Okay. Without really understanding what that means. What that means, yeah. Like, and oh. I remember in university even like asking people who, if someone got in the U and how do the, you do that, and everybody is like, you need to speak really good English. <laughs> and and that's a that's a true fact that English is really, <laughs> really a happen. good factor for you to get into uh, uh, this field of work. Huh. Uh, now, but also care about the issues yeah. and get be educated and all those things but in, in be able to speak English. so so to be honest Yanni, i think the way i entered the field it was at the beginning by a coincidence yeah but then but did you I want was, to like did you see the issues of development needs in jordan did you see the issues but maybe yeah. with gender and with yeah. underprivileged people or yeah, things yeah, yeah, like yeah. were you like i want to help underserved yes. people okay Definitely. now and that was from your family also was progressive yeah. on like growing up was yeah. that those are cause those are you know yeah. um what's the word i'm looking for you know ideals that are kind of not you know not everyone gets them you know so i actually like growing up and like from the experience even in the university i was like more of a um, working on youth activism mm. but without understanding that oh there is the whole field of youth development and right. youth programming but uh, like for m- more youth uh, inclusion, uh, the gender mm-hmm. dimension also was always with uh, integrated uh, with yeah. me. What I gained working in development, but also through my studies, is the language oh, and okay. how to phrase things and how to categorize things and what is the conceptual and theories mm. and frameworks in the bigger that, picture. Yeah. Um, however, I was always engaged uh, as a volunteer or as a, or as a youth uh, um, activist in one way or another. Yeah. Um, now, with the family... Uh, with your family? Yeah. It's, it's funny because uh, you would, I would be in a discussion. So what happened with me is I always 
traveled and uh, like felt that I am an extension of my family and I am here because we are on the same page. But when I had all of these experiences and I come back and we open discussions and then someone says this sexist thing or this like uh, a statement that is like very racist. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, it was shocking for me because I thought like, why we are, uh, this is not the way I was raised. But then I figured out that there is two sides. One side is that we like to, to speak or to, to, to talk about things that we don't necessarily implement. An example, if I ask my uncle, would you like, uh, uh, is it okay for women to go to work? He would say no. He would say that men uh, are obliged to be the bread uh, provider or like the uh, providers for their uh, families and women should uh, stay at home but when you look at the implementation of his statement his wife is working his daughter is working his sister is working and he's okay with that but in principle like right. we te- like there is this tendency of saying the things that yani it's okay for the community to hear that women don't have to work Right, but in the actual implementation, that was not the. So I mean, it's it's great that he that he's allowing his the women in his life to work, but if if he's advocating against that in the broad sense, I mean, it, it's going to take you know more than just I mean, it take a long time yeah. <laughs> to you know pervade the yeah. culture because it's like ingrained stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so you so you kind of butted heads a little bit with the like. With you, what you think your family, what yeah. you think you you stand for, but yeah. and now you've you've opened yeah. your mind and lived abroad and all these experiences, yeah. and then you come back to Urban, which is a fairly conservative, yeah, you know, traditional place, right? And, yeah, yeah, that's and, interesting. And, like now, I feel like I uh, I worked on myself before, like because before I was crying, literally crying scared. in every discussion. And my mother, like, why are you crying? Well, at, the, at a big family yeah, dinner, you're yeah, crying yeah, about yeah. it, like. <laughs> How like especially if someone because in Irbid you know it, it hosted a I don't know I don't Syrian <laughs> Syrian refugees okay okay right and I work with refugees right so people and say Syrian yeah they will say okay like harabul walad al balad like they ruined the country they are stealing our jobs etc and I really would break into tears how could you say that like you will not you don't know if there will be a war in jordan what would happen to you right anyone can be in this situation right they're a country and next door exactly. and they're very well educated and, and they're before the war i mean they're it's syria you and, know and before that in Irbid especially we were always looking up to syria right like we will go and have the best time in syria Damascus. the most like Really, like the growing up, quality. you used to go there a lot. Yeah, yeah, we because it's close. It's like it's not as going to Amman, but it was three close, hours clo- to Damascus to less, drive to Damascus from Irbid, less yeah, one hour and a half. Really, in when you were a kid, you'd go there and. I remember the first country I traveled by my own was uh, Syria with a friend of mine. I was like uh, nineteen years old. Just a good party. Uh, so I have, <laughs> you, like, I have a lot of, uh, my first shisha I smoked in Syria. <laughs> yeah. So, and it was, it's a beautiful country. It was cheap, really good food. It yeah, was, amazing like, food. Very the French influence, just like Lebanon. Okay. And, and it was. Uh, so that's funny you saw that switch. And now people are yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I, I know now you, you are saying they, 
all of these bad things so and yani if you uh, would look at it uh, from uh, an angle i am taking a salary by working in an organization that works with Syrian refugees so you cannot say that they are ruin the country because many people are working right. as humanitarian workers to uh, to help them now and very few uh, of them are actually but, allowed to work relatively yeah. yeah so what i learned is not to take things very personally and to work on my emotions and reactions rather than i'm not going to change uh, his perception by tears right Um, but I wish you could. Yeah. You could just start crying anytime like, someone says something hurtful <laughs> or a stereotype and people like change their mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I wish that was. Yeah, yeah, I know. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, I feel like now I have more understanding of, or like, let's say, not understanding, but rather an open heart for different point mm. of views, even things that I don't like. Because I need to understand what, what, where are they coming from. I mean, uh, that's what we're dealing with. I mean, in America, like with mm. the Trump phenomenon, and, and it's very similar, like in a weird way. I mean, they're very different, but yeah, like I, I think about that. I have to understand the voters. There's reasons people voted for him and are really frustrated with the whole system, our you know democracy, you know, and you can't just write people off and that because that does worse. So you have to get to know them, and at an individual level, a lot of people are still they're really great people. It's some 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 misguided, but yeah, I mean it's probably mm. it's funny because there's some similarities there with, yeah. and then of course with our people's issue, in, uh, you know, Islamophobia in America right now is so rampant, and it's a lot of times based on just misinformation yeah. or stereotypes, and it's a bad. But they're not bad people; they just have you know they're yeah. getting bad information, or yeah. they, their fear, or their community, and it's exactly. you know it cycles itself. Yeah. yeah, so it's you know it's um, interesting. Um, so you're at UN, oh, yeah, uh, UNF, I can never say it, UNF. I was with UNFPA, yeah. then I left. Yeah, so you did two I years was, there. Yeah. Okay, and then you left. Because I was fed up with the bureaucracy in the UN system. Of, of the UN system, okay. And I Even though you're back there now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, the, I'm yeah. going to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I want to get come. to that. I do want to get to yeah. your current job, what you actually <laughs> yeah. do, but this is really fascinating. Um, so... I, uh, with a group of consultants, uh, we started uh, a social enterprise. Oh, cool. Uh, and what we did is to provide consultancies for different governmental and non-governmental organizations. Uh, and with the profit that we are making, we were funding our own projects. Oh, cool. And that was the idea of the whole social enterprise. What type of projects? Uh, development, youth development projects. So we would fund youth groups. We would fund uh, young artists in one particular area, Gaderbid or Amman. No, it was in the region actually, because the services that we provided was in the region. The whole so, region. Yeah. So there. there What was, was it like called? Was the work was in was Yemen, in oh, wow. Lebanon, Palestine, Libya, Morocco. Wow. We had a like a group of consultants. I was the very junior, yani, oh. the least experienced. But like we're talking like hundreds of consultants, or <coughs> we're a group of eight to ten, mm. and uh, not all of us are based in uh, in Amman. But it's mainly Arab. Uh, Arab yeah, there was like women. three from Egypt. Oh wow! Two from Syria, one from Morocco. Huh. Very cool. Yeah. And so that, what, how was that experience? What was that? Like? It was one of the best 
experiences in my life because we were able to think freely about what we want to do and things that we want to stand for. We had a very um, clear ethical position and we were not bounded with the bureaucracy that uh, is uh, the UN, in the, <laughs> or, the UN or any other large, right, any yeah. large organization. Um, yeah. So that was... You're nimble. And one of the good things is that me personally, <coughs> I was able to do many things while I was there. So I, I worked, then I went to Beirut to do uh, the, like to continue working with the YPIR in, uh, in the center of the network in Beirut. Then I came back and worked. Mm-hmm. Then I went to grad school in the U.S. and in the yeah, we gotta get between, to yeah. between uh, the two years, I came back and did a project with them. And after graduation, I I came back to work uh, on projects. So I was able to be on and off without worrying of you know if I yeah, that's a nice thing like being right consultant. Yeah. And, and, uh, so you and then so yeah, how did you choose to go to grad school in the states? What, how did that come about? So I felt uh, because I had like this work experience, but like it's not combined with uh, educational experience. I had to do that, um, I, and I started to look for scholarships because I was not able to uh, to fund it by uh, my own. I wanted to have an experience outside of uh, the country, in terms of education. Um, how common is that for like Jordanian women to go get a master's? Or Jordanians in general. I mean, I know I talk to lots of them. Um, yeah, it's not very common, uh, but at least in certain circles, you you would you would feel that oh, yeah, I have a lot of my friends who did that. But if we're gonna look at the, yeah, I think we're one of the few percent of uh, who were able to do that. Yeah. Whether by if you if like if it would be paid or if it's a scholarship. It's not a very high, uh, percentage. but it's especially working for international organizations. Yeah. I'm sure it's a huge yeah. asset to have. I mean, any for Western Westerners well, as well. You need a lot of times. You need it now. You know, that, um, you know. definitely, and it helped a lot with my understanding of the work that we do and have more conceptual understanding. Uh, so you started applying to scholarships. Well, you mentioned earlier when we were yeah. talking <laughs> that, uh, and you just. They just you got the scholarship and they just placed you in a school and then you found out okay I'm Boston the Heller with the Heller yeah. School of SID right Sustainable International Development, Development yeah so and then how how is that program for you is it what, uh, you, yeah, is it what you expected it's it's excellent because uh, it gives you the basics of what a development practitioner needs but also you will start uh, you you are able to design it the way you want to focus on the issues that you want you would like for example if you are uh, a big fan of climate change or you want to focus on that you can do that if you are more into the human rights you can do that so i think it's a really good opportunity and the international environment like 80% of the students are from is it still 80% now I, that's yeah cuz it started when it started yeah. it was 100% right that's the the story yeah. Or something all international it's, people. Yeah. It's like I think. Uh, I think in that's my great. year it was like twenty percent Americans and eighty percent are. That's great. Internationals, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, know, I loved meeting Tara's um, all of her friends. Yeah. I mean, such a cool variety. Menar was awesome, and such a cool variety of yeah. people. You know, um, what? Um, 
Did you have a specialty there? That's what I meant to add. Um, no, but um, I, I focused more on youth and refugee uh, development. Okay. Uh, so youth development, like as a continuation of my previous work, but adding the refugee context because I knew that I would be back to Jordan where the Syrian crisis. Right. So because oh, this was the Syrian crisis had already started. Yeah. And uh, obviously, and then you're like, there's going to be needs in Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> there are needs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then you came back, and then you then you got the job with uh, you and women, or how did? No, that... I I came back for one year and a half with a social enterprise that with the uh, consulting. I, yeah. Uh, and then. The, the one of the things uh, okay so the i mentioned all of the good things about the social enterprise but the bad things is the pay it was not really high enough and because it's something that i found that right. it's okay to stay with no pay for two or three months and then uh, wait till project yeah, yeah. So which, and now no like healthcare like, support yeah. system yeah. you know that's any small company yeah. can be the, the tough so yeah. it was not very much convenient but at the same time uh, another uh, angle we were doing a lot of really great ideas uh, and really great thoughts, but I felt we don't have the power. Mm. So I wanted to go back to an organization that have power and leverage mm. in one way or another. To make a difference. And the yeah. UN is definitely one of those uh, <laughs> yes. organizations where by it, the name itself, you have certain uh, power. So you then applied for you and yeah. position. They came yeah. up and went back to the big, the big gun. But it, but you knew it was a smaller team. You knew it was a smaller I know group it, within yeah. the UN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that because like UN Women globally, it's not a big uh, agency. Does it operate kind of autonomously as, as a group, or I mean, do you have a lot? Do you have to do a lot of bureaucracy of the larger UN for funding. We and have things? our own bureaucracy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but one of the good things about UN Women is like we try to also work on joint projects. So you will find us with a joint project with the UNESCO, with FAO. Uh, oh, cool! The food and agriculture organization. Yeah, I did some stuff with them. With I was when I working. I was working for Ecarta mm-hmm. last year, which is an agriculture research mm-hmm. development firm. For uh, I was doing communications for them, but I was learning about them. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, so, what is your day to day job? You kind of mentioned a little bit in the beginning, but what like your day to day activities? Like how did like like the weeds of your job? What uh, what does that entail? So, uh, unfortunately, most of my work is office work, okay. where I have to do proposal writing or like reporting. Um, however, the good parts of my uh, work entails monitoring projects that we are uh, uh, supporting, and this is where I get to interact with partners and with people we and women we are working with. Uh, the second good part in my work is more of the policy and advocacy uh, uh, discussion so I I get the chance to really um, interact with working groups or with committees that discuss different uh, uh, topics on women livelihoods and uh, women economic empowerment uh, so this is not so those are your favorite parts of the job yeah. and, uh, and then you have to do the admin <laughs> work or like yeah like, is, like any other job like the grant writing of my I mean the grant writing thing is such an interesting part of everyone a lot of people's jobs here because yeah. it's just if you don't get these grants or these, then you yeah. don't have money for your programs and your funding and, and a lot of if you're a good writer then you're going to be tapped to do, yeah. do some of that yeah. you know 
Yes, that's but, mean. Uh, also, like with the UN, there is like a lot of layers for reporting. So mm. there is always so I, yeah, I can imagine. Thing. And and I'm sure expenses as well sounds pretty rough with the UN. They like mm. track every little thing, right? Yeah, all the costs and <laughs> budget, budget, budgeting, and everything. Yeah. yeah, but you like but you like the impact that your job is. Yeah, uh, I the impact. I think the aspiration is for a longer. Uh, impact so it's not long term it's not yeah it's not visible yet yeah okay. and the, the impact we're looking for is more women engagement in the labor market as an example right more, which is a very yeah. broad yeah. goal yeah. <laughs> but like the small stories that you hear from women uh, that's like where you feel okay do you want to um do you want to speak about a couple um of the programs that are currently going on that you're either Involved okay. in funding that may, or maybe a few of the women are yeah. in the affected. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Yeah. In there was a project that we implemented, which is more of training for fresh graduates or like young girls who are 18 to 24. And then what we do is to train them on different skills, for example, maybe data entry so they can be do secretariat job or garment industry they go go and train like so there was the soft skills part but like also the technical part and for me i felt like oh these trainings can be done better Uh, i feel like the linkages and how they were cooked can be done in a better way but when i started to listen to the girls stories that this was a space for them to go outside of their homes this was a space for them to go and learn. And it's all and women in these centers. Yeah, yeah. That's part of it, too. Yeah. So you can train yeah. with women. You can, yeah. you can take your head, head covering yeah, off. Exactly. And, you and can have go, a more free... Actually, you know, <laughs> three weeks ago, I was in the one in Zatari, not in, in the host communities. And <clears> women, they were like singing and doing the dancing and just like being in a jaha yeah (laughs) (laughs) we went to a jaha and tara told me about the women's like i would uh, the men was pretty boring and it's Uh, a whole separate building but the women sound like a huge party or or a wedding you know it's like so interesting and then when the men come then everyone gets all covered up again and you know straight and narrow yeah so um yeah uh, uh the fact that yani this training even if some of them said that even if we did not get the job we are very grateful that we got this opportunity to go outside from our home to break our routine and to learn something and the hmm. process is that where they learn about themselves yani we're talking about Hadi, a woman who's like 22 years old who started to to really like think about herself and what does she want right rather than what her family wants yeah. for her yeah maybe Mm. Any, uh, and like even the, the the starting of questioning what I like, what I want to do, and any, yeah. I think this is one of the great things. But another thing also, because another project that we do is micro uh, businesses where we give small grants. Micro lend- lending, yeah. Grant, yeah. And uh, by the grants, I mean 300 JDs, maybe okay. 200 JDs. But when you see, and for me, like, this is nothing, any, you know, it's not a really big number. Right. But when you go to the ground and see what women are doing with this little amount of money, it's amazing. 
يعني even if it's a woman buying a sheep to like get milk and like make cheese and sell it yeah the 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 great things is not the financial and the income generating aspect it's women feeling Empowered. that they are produ- productive yeah. and having uh, uh, a a role to to play in the society so this is the most important thing i feel yeah and being and once you start a business and you're learning and growing you feel empowered like you motivate other people around you other women to you know do and and i know the stats usually women are uh just statistically much better with their money <laughs> to help out the family than yeah. men are <laughs> that's well documented yeah. so uh, i've mm-hmm. i've read um what banker to the poor is one of my favorite books Muhammad Yunus yeah. the founder of Grameen yeah, yeah. Bank and I, I my, uh, I've done some micro lending stuff with my dad uh, as well and it's uh, just the, the stories are kind of fascinating yeah. of how important it is really to get women involved in yeah. the communities and that makes it bigger usually a bigger difference mm-hmm. you know um, so and so you all see with micro lending it's all focused on women what women can do with their skills what they're interested in yeah. and uh that's that's and you don't have to have any sort of gender balance because your mission is to serve women. Yeah, like our uh, work with men and women we uh, we also try to involve men oh, in yeah. our work but not necessarily through the granting mechanism but uh, more of raising awareness on gender-based violence issues or more uh, engaging them more about the importance of their work and Engage with encouraging like men to understand why it's important yeah. for women to be able to work as well, yeah, yeah. like so that they also are in like so they have buy-in in some ways, mm-hmm. so they encourage women to work. Yeah, because like you can do the training, but if the, a man in the family said no, you're not gonna work. Right. It's not gonna work. So you need to ensure that there is a success successful. Uh, so how do you? That's that's a really interesting idea. How do you if you have men? that don't want let the women work the women want to or you know how, do you guys go do you go and meet sometimes with people's families to talk with men and will they talk with you like a third person or, have, or do you have you have systems for that obviously we have yeah. different approaches so one of uh, the approaches it can like having a, a meeting for men and for the targeted women where you start Q&A for for example, with women who got into the factories, right. uh, what we did is to organize trips for the factories and answer families' questions on the spot to show them like what this is the space where your daughter will be working, uh, like to to. And you you organize a tour for the family to come see the factory yeah, and so they yeah, feel yeah. comfortable with it. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And you you know, have a bus. So you pay for that, so yeah, it's yeah, easy yeah. for them to do it, and then. Yeah. Huh, and, there, and there's good, pretty good attendance. The men want to see. The, the, uh, you know, it's always and... not as expected because at the end of the day, men prefer to stay there at their work and not to take, for example, a day off. Or right. Like they are. You know, in general, it's easier to find women uh, more than uh, men, but we're, we're trying, you know. That's, and sometimes, that is, really in some cool. cases, we'll do the one-to-one uh, issues. For example... We found, you know, you will find a, a really smart girl who is uh, have like a really bright future if there was an investment with her. But like there is the struggle of the male counterparts in her family. So what we do is to ensure that there is people who are go going there discussing with the fathers 
his concerns. So from you and women, or from local from CBOs? Mostly. And you have men CBOs. going to meet with other yeah. men, right? As I was going to say. Mostly CBOs and uh, yeah. partners, and it can be men and women. Yani. it's not necessarily only men. Right. Meet with men. Yeah. It's no, a mixture. Yeah. Yeah. It depends what mm. the need is, and then you. So you guys are kind of tracking some of those situations ongoing, like like is you is your office overseeing what some of those local organizations are doing, and how, and they report back on their impacts and how many people they're meeting with. I mean, how do you kind of monitor? Is there a, yeah, monitor all that? Uh, it sounds like a lot. Yeah, we, what we do is because we work through organizations, we try to monitor. For example, uh, we trained one hundred fifty. How many of them are employed after six mm-hmm. months? We do an assessment. How many? How, yeah. How many are employed? Yeah. One fifty. Yeah. No. Now, okay, it depends. <laughs> I mean, on the I'm sector. just asking. No, no. And yeah. okay, it depends on the sector, and this right. is an important thing. Yani, in the garment industry, we trained one hundred fifty. One hundred fifteen were employed. One hundred fifty. Fifteen. One hundred fifteen employed. Yeah. And you trained one hundred fifteen. Fifteen. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so a good majority. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um. However, the dropout rates in the garment industry is high because it's very tough work yeah yeah and like long commuting hours etc with data entry and the secretariat we trained around 300 so far we had like around 205 uh, in different private uh, sector uh, organizations and the dropout rate is less than um, the garment industry yeah cool but so. it's harder to get in because the garment factory <coughs> will take all of one factory can take the 150 right. for example but with others they take one or two right so it's a whole and you but you're you're in contact or you're and the local organization are in yeah. contact with lots of companies because the, the idea is yeah, obviously yeah, there's yeah. jobs that you can help yeah. fill like that are immediate yeah this, hires this is done based on market analysis for yeah. uh, Erbit and Zarqa those are the two targeted areas oh, okay. that we worked with so but that's I mean those are, those are big impacts you know mm-hmm. and those are all women that may have not you know never have worked in those sectors yeah. again, you know or, or been challenged mm-hmm. that type of job yeah. um, so um I guess the other question I had is kind of what do you do? You, do you feel like you're effective in your job, and what do you wish you could do better, or what would, you know, mm. you know, what makes your what makes your job difficult? As a person, yeah, yeah, you personally, yeah, yeah. Definitely bureaucracy. Like you, yeah. you want to do uh, an idea, but it can be on paper after one year based on the like process of uh, working. Now, do I feel that I am effective? I, I try as much as I can to be uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, effective. But uh, I like at least I'm satisfied that uh, I I don't yani, I don't let laziness to impact uh, me, and uh, I seize or I like I take every opportunity where I feel like there is something that we can work on or a project or idea that we can develop or a new partner that we can influence. So yani, I try to do my best. Um, at the beginning when I joined, I felt like the first two months I was more of an observer and I did not have a lot of uh, impact because I was trying to grasp how things are going, what are the dynamics, but now I feel like 
Um, yeah. Now you're mm-hmm. in the in the flow. Yeah. <laughs> now you feel you're uh, confident. Um, what do you see for the future of your programs and your job? Hello. Uh, yeah. What do you hope for? Oh, as a person. Yeah. Well, as a person, but you mean. Well, no, I mean, for you, more for okay, your career or, yeah. your, or your division yeah, or something. For, for me, I, Jordan. Yeah. yeah, for me, I think I will be more more involved in youth development. Okay. Uh, back to youth uh, uh, development. Um, because I feel investing in young people is a key for uh, future uh, sustainable uh, development. Um, and... Personally, my dream job would be to have a feet in academia and a foot in academia and a foot in, in the actual work. I I don't see myself as uh, only working mm. in papers and theories without having the practical experience or the engagement with the people on daily basis. Yeah. Uh, but I also think that uh, having always thinking about uh, theories and conceptualizing things is important. So I think really this is my uh, so and uh, definitely I will be looking for uh, for uh, within the region. Yani I give myself another year in Jordan, but then I I will be looking for uh, regional. Uh, Interesting position. to live in another country in the region as an expat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you'll be. Next. Um, what um, what was I going to ask you? Um, so this is this is a fun one. Uh, what do you kind of what do you think will happen in the broad sense with Syria, uh, and like or the crisis or development in Jordan? Like, do you think what do you see for like the next you know couple of years of the industry or or how Syria will change and affect things? Like, do you? It's kind of a broad yeah, question, he, but at least uh, in in Jordan and how the government is. Uh, the approach to the development and yeah the, and it's, it's shifting yeah. from humanitarian uh, approach into more development approach and uh, economics is one of one aspect the way how the push for changing from cash assistance or cash for work toward work permits and Syrian getting jobs and uh, generating uh, income by their own this is yani one mm-hmm. okay uh now with Syria also, yani now you 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 start to hear uh, rebuilding Syria project. Mm. Right. As, yani, I the escalations was at the beginning that this is will be a civil war for the next uh, ten years or right. eleven years. So I I hope that the expectations for uh, <laughs> that it's, it's not gonna be longer than that because there is a lot of. Uh, Regardless of the politics, there is a lot of human suffering and human right. pain uh, in that. Well, now, I mean, hopefully it it's shorter than that. I mean, yeah. the, average civil, this, the average civil war is 15 years. Inshallah, yeah. And it's been, this is year, I know, inshallah. It, it's been, this is year six or seven, right? Yeah. 2009, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, you, you just, I don't, yeah, it's hard to know. It's yeah. hard to see an ending in sight yeah. to know what's going to happen. What, or or even if it ends, what would be, you know, what's a positive <laughs> outcome if there's any stability in the country? Yeah. So. Now for Syrian refugees, I think any the refugee scenario where there will be some will have resettlement outside of the region, 
some will stay if there is an opportunity for people to come back some will come back so uh, and Jordan will be at the forefront of rebuilding helping rebuild yeah. Syria and you know people coming here and um, now, what do you think about the changing priorities? This is a fun one. Um, kind of budgets from the West, um, and how will that affect your work and the work in the country in general? Definitely, I mean, this is the, the greatest impact to change. Uh, now, any recently. Now, any in the last two months, I can't tell you how many events I attended on women economic participation, and. This has been an issue for the last 15 years. There was no progress in women engagement in the labor market. But because there is more of donor push for this topic and the global international community push, now this is uh, an important uh, topic. To the last two months. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's good. That's an that's example. But I mean, that's interesting because... I was thinking more like the you know the proposed funding cuts from the states uh, and stuff and the, that side of how it. it yeah, or or the fact that like it's been going on so long. A lot of the countries in the West are. I mean, they're still giving lots of money, but they're losing as much interest. Hello, and yeah. so, I mean, I have heard funding is going yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. In general, so is that affecting your work, or are you afraid of that affecting? Yeah, definitely. There programs? is the personally, you know, I, or at least as UN women. There is not much of a big fear. Okay, but I mean, that's part of it, right? The UN is pretty well insulated, right? But no, but for UNFPA and UNHCR, right. there was really... UNFPA, yeah. like the Agency on Sexual Reproductive Health and Rights, yeah. yani the cuts of the U.S. is Huge. really yeah. affecting their... Uh, I was hoping to interview work. someone from... Uh, I have a friend that works for them right now, but she's actually not really supposed to do an interview <laughs> because of their, yeah, of their yeah. issues right now. And that's uh, that's really unfortunate. It's really frustrating, and based on mis misinformation yeah. and fear from the states. Yeah, yeah. So, but those kind of cuts are really aren't affecting your. Yeah, as you and women know, yet. but in general, the humanitarian funding, yeah, yes. Yeah, um, but the good thing is, is that the, or the funding might be shifting towards your type of programs. Yeah, so mean, focusing on development, focusing on yeah. women—that's more long-term yeah, goal. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So you do see that that happening. Mm. Yeah. What what but what can organizations now organizations and this, I guess it's more of your opinion, but what like are there things organizations can do to fight back against funding cuts or against the maybe the West changing their priorities or not understanding what the needs are? I don't know if I have an answer. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's a big I'm question. Saying, I'm not sure. <laughs> You're not sure what they can do. Yeah, I think but what I think what can be done because people push their governments to uh, support, so there is a role for citizens in those countries, yani maybe. So what we can do is, is to approach those. people uh, who you need to influence their governments. Right. Know. Inspire movements. Uh, definitely, there is a role for, uh, 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 for example, with UN Women, we try our best to show the donor community uh, what we do and the impact that we are doing, but those decisions are made on a really higher level than right. a, a UN agency and then embassy in, in the country. Uh, and they need... Yeah, <laughs> a big level of support. Yeah. yeah, but it makes a difference, you know, I mm. think. 
that, you know, especially, you know, really progressive countries in Europe, mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing what the decisions they can, you know, make mm-hmm. a little bit easier, say, than the behemoth of America. Um, so where do you see yourself in five years? Uh-huh. You already kind of answered, started yeah. answering that, but I, I like that question. Where would you like to work? Where, yeah, what countries or what you like to work in what capacity? I, uh, yeah. I, I, I never thought I would think about that, but recently I've been thinking about that. Uh, one of the Gulf countries, because now they really? are, they, are they, they neglected the, the yep. human development for a long time, but now, especially in the UAE, yep. like with the Minister of Happiness and Minister of uh, Youth doing lots of great work, and they launched uh, uh, a strategy for Arab youth. Like called the Arab Youth Strategy was really a great six, seven uh, initiatives. So I think I would love to work on something regional uh, for huh. Arab youth. So in the Gulf, like, that'd be very yeah. different. I mean, yeah. I mean, similar feel, but a different take on, different Definitely, perspective, yeah. different you know, place uh, yeah. of you know. That's yeah. interesting. Okay, so what or about Egypt. or Egypt or Lebanon? Uh, Beirut, maybe Lebanon. Yeah. 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 Uh, so focus on youth. Um, I like that. What What do you think you'd miss most about Jordan if you lived abroad? The bread. The bread. <laughs> the fresh bread. The poofs up. The poofy. I, whatever that's yeah, called. Yeah, Arab, Arab bread. I bought a bunch of that today. I will miss that a lot. Yeah, it's really good. But uh, just I, comes I, out of the conveyor belt. I miss. Uh, <laughs> no, see, I, I, and for me, I don't like Amman bread. Like for me, oh really? I, yeah. If I go Wait, you don't you like urban bread better? Any place in Jordan that is outside of Amman. No. Yeah. There's a difference. And I would yeah. Amman has worse bread? I for me, yeah. I don't like Amman bread. What's different about it? I don't know the taste and the freshness and Is it thicker or thinner? There is different kinds of bread, but yani Amman bread I don't know. I'm not a big It's too urban. Yeah. It's too it's too modern. It's yeah. like too liberal and yeah, progressive exactly. and Amman bread. That's hilarious. I've never heard anyone say that. Like I didn't know that was a thing. Because yeah. I had because like what about the bread we had tonight for dinner that, with chicken that, toast? That was good actually. Yeah, that's Amman bread from yeah. like a block yeah. away on Phil, on that little street we're talking about. Ah, oh, that one. Yeah. Okay. The Filipino street. They yeah. Call it. <laughs> it's not the official name, but some people call it. Yeah. But it's true. My but my my nanny is Filipino. She's amazing. Uh, our, our nanny and she does cleaning for us. Uh, she's okay. amazing and she does live uh, over near there. But she you nearly know, shops around there. Yeah. I think a lot of Filipinos yeah. like like go and hang yeah, around yeah. there. So um, that's an interesting thing about Amman, the whole that whole culture. But yeah. but there she's awesome. Um, any other like personal stories that come to mind? You mentioned one before that from your current work projects or anything that that people should should hear or know um, or something that's really touched you recently uh, your work or whatever actually, from your what work the, in no, Jordan I, I your favorite say, story from Jordan your favorite pro your favorite project I, I favorite. No, that's like really tough Bastiani I, I, I have a short uh, memory so a I short remember, memory yeah. <laughs> okay I so last week what was the best thing that happened yeah exactly <laughs> so last week I was in Umm al-Jamal which is a village in al-Mafraq okay, okay. and uh, we have this project with Nadia al-Dajani who's yeah, a yeah. famous right. Jordanian artist <laughs> who is also she... my landlord <laughs> 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 I don't know if I should try to edit that out now 
that's uh, interesting. Yeah, we, you mentioned that earlier that my landlord's uh, jewelry design yeah. and working with you. So there is Very this cool. project for women to make this. Uh, souvenirs and handicraft from the basalt uh, stones, which is yeah. But how do they do? They melt it down? No, no, they do it like with knocking. Yeah. I don't know hammer. It's yeah. a long process. It's and yani, it's a really needs a physical uh, yeah. power. And there is another segment where it, local women are trained to give this uh, um, activities for children from the museum children uh, museum. The Children Museum in Jordan. Yeah, in Amman. In Amman. Yeah. So they designed this really cool activities to go to the uh, historical place and the archaeological site and do these uh, activities for children. And two of the uh, teachers, I felt like one of them was not very happy. And I started like to tease her and okay. like, hi, how are you? And la la la. And she's like, I'm okay. Then I heard that there was, I don't know if you heard about it, the car accident. There was a minivan with 25 young children going to their kindergarten. And there was a pickup that was uh, a 15 years old boy was driving it. And it hit it. And like most of the children passed away. No. Yeah. So this lady, it was one of her cousins who like two, actually two of her cousins who passed away in this car accident. Oh. The, the second day she came to do this session, and when I told her, I, because I was shocked, like you can, you should go to the funeral and grieve, and, and she said, no, I made a commitment for this project, and I think it's very important to the community, so I am here to fulfill my commitment. And... Definitely, Yani, this is one of the things that really touched me because, Yani, she could have said, I cannot do it and we will all understand right. because it's a really hard situation. Yeah. But instead, she uh, she came. The second thing is there is this amazing resilience for women in our country that with all the hard circumstances, there is this ability to go through your pain and all of the things that you are facing and yalla what's next keep going so yeah persevere mm. that's a that's a pretty strong point and you're from here so you know <laughs> you see it. is there anything else that people should uh, should know about i guess jordan or about uh, your type of yeah, work very nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um uh, you need, and I, I think we were discussing this earlier yeah. uh, that the media unfortunately portray a lot of stereotypes for mm -hmm. both sides so I have my perceptions about the West mm -hmm. and people in the West have their perceptions about people in this region mm -hmm. and uh, it's important to understand that there is so many factors that influence the, these uh, perceptions and try to challenge ourselves by new experiences and exploring um, other learning methods, let's say, or channels to yeah. to form our perceptions. So yeah, I mean that's yeah. So this 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 podcast is really about I mean about that. <laughs> I mean it's and, it's, and especially focused on people, mm -hmm. you know, in the West that 
you know, don't really understand this refugee crisis, especially with this situation in this part of the world, mm-hmm. and want to, you know, and then want to tell people stories and, and what you do day to day, what the money's going towards, but also what your life is like. And it's, as a Jordanian, it's really interesting because you have different perspectives from living in the States and working here and working with the women and in your culture. And um, hopefully people will, you know, be inspired to, you know, support the region in general obviously come visit see the country it's beautiful i mean we we love living here tara and i love the people and um and uh it's been really amazing time so anyways well that's that's good this is a good discussion so it was this is the longest one yet (laughs) a lot of information (laughs) so anyways you should do two episodes (laughs) it's gonna be a double episode double (laughs) double feature well thank you for your time Bethana. i really appreciate it we'll put a link for you and women um on on the thing here if anyone has questions or wants to know more from a jordanian women's you know women's rights women empowerment perspective Mm -hmm. we'll we'll let you know so thank you thank you for doing our podcast thank you (laughs) awesome